Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 73 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Joan Bish. Joan is from Phoenix, Arizona, where she is a regional sales support manager for a major security firm and a jack of all trades. Welcome, Joan. Thanks, Jen. Well, I'm super glad to talk to you today because I have been following your amazing results in our Facebook support groups. Thank you. It has definitely been an amazing journey. It really is. And that's that's the best part of it is how it changes us in so many ways. But, you know, I like to start off by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So my story actually began, it's kind of a, a two-part story, but I was introduced to intermittent fasting through another member of the group who actually is one of my rock hounding friends slash massage therapist, Mandy. And she is an amazing individual. 
and just a, a super talented massage therapist. And we met on a rock hound trip and that's kind of what started our, our friendship. And I, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, you do a massage? Ha ha, wink, wink. I need a massage therapist. A good, a good massage therapist is hard to find, right? It truly, truly is. Yes, absolutely. And so she said, well, you should let me work on you. So I did. And, and one of these days, I'm actually going to post the very first picture that I have of the two of us together because neither one of us looks the same. So I had gone and seen her and it was fine. And then several months later, I went back to see her again because she's amazing. And, and now I'm hooked. And she looked so different. And I said, Mandy, you look amazing. What are you doing? And she said, oh, I'm doing intermittent fasting. And so this is kind of the point where you insert the eye roll. And, uh, and so that, that's, that's kind of what happened with me. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Because I had heard a lot of people online, you know, doing that. It, it was like the, the new fad of the week. And I was like, okay, great. And when was this? When did this, this conversation happen? So this all started in, I, I want to say spring of 2018. Just to give some context. Yeah, when it initially started and I started seeing a change with her. So, you know, she touched very briefly on it and, and I was like, okay, great. And then I filed it away. So I went back to see her several months later. So we're heading into the summer months. And I said, Mandy, you look amazing because she was even smaller. And so I just wanted whatever pill she was taking or whatever magic syrup she was she was getting. I, I wanted a part of it. And she said, I read a book called Delay, Don't Deny. And I, I really think that you should read this book because I really think that it would help you with all of your, your medical issues. And I started really taking notice at that point because it wasn't just that she had lost the weight. It was that she was continuing to lose the weight. And this was over a period of several months. And I thought, there's got to be something more here. It can't be just so simple. And she also probably looked so good, right? She looked like vibrant and healthy in a new way. She looked amazing. Yes. I mean, her skin just looked completely different and she had this glow. And I thought that's, that can't be natural. <laughs> you know, I think back to when I lost weight back in the nineties, following the low fat approach. And I was eating just like junk food, low fat junk food. And I looked terrible. Like I was the skinniest I've ever been. And I looked just emaciated and gaunt and terrible. And so that's the difference. You know, we see people who do intermittent fasting and they don't look worse and worse and gaunt and terrible. They look more vibrant and healthier and younger. And that's what we're like, hey, I want what she's having. Kind of like, you know, what's the what was that movie when Harry met Sally? And the person, and do you remember that movie? And the and the person in the coffee shop said, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> that famous scene. Yeah, but that's and that's truly what this is like. And it was a couple of conversations because I remember having to text her after the fact, like, okay, I'm honestly ready to hear now. I'm I'm ready to hear what you're willing to tell me. So how did you do this? And she sent me a screenshot of the cover of your book and said, this is the book. This is the, this is the book that I read that started it all. So I really think you should read it. And I think it's, it's going to help you. So I said, okay. So in August of 2018, I bought the book. I read it, I think, over the course of two days because I, I bought it late at night and then I was just really tired. So. But I essentially devoured this novel. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and it was so amazing because I love how you open it up saying that 
that this book is written in a very casual way, and it's going to feel like a conversation between you and I. And that is 100% exactly what it was. And it, it makes a difference in the ability to retain the information because it's not just words that you read. It's a conversation that you have. And, and that makes a difference. Well, that was completely what my goal was because, you know, how many of us have read umpteen quote diet books and, you know, it's not fun to read, it's not enjoyable and it's dry and, and you don't remember and you don't want to read it. You know, you're like, give me, just give me the info. But I really wanted to write it in a way that made people feel like I was talking to them because really that's what I want to do. I'm a teacher, you know that. And even though I retired from teaching, let me teach you about this. That's what I do. So I'm glad that that spoke to you. Now, you mentioned that you had a bunch of health issues. What were you suffering from at that time? I do. So I, I didn't understand the full extent of my health issues until this past December, not this past December, December of 2018. Yes. So this all kind of ties in. So I'm going to get to that. <laughs> So in August of 2018, I bought your book, I read it, and I immediately joined the Facebook group. And I remember posting, making my very first post in the group about, you know, how excited I was and that my interpretation of the book was to fast, feast, and repeat. And and that's essentially it. And follow the clean fasting, which is critical, and enjoy and experiment and, and have fun with it. And that's that's it. So that was my first post. And I was like, okay, I can do this. So that's, that was in August. I got started. I started with a 16 and 8 to kind of wean myself into having a clean fast because I understood that that was a critical component, but I, I also knew I had never done that in my life. So I wanted to make sure that at least for 16 hours and then I would I would continue on. I think that's really smart because people who are starting off, if you try to be too ambitious at the beginning, you know, you haven't built any fasting muscle yet. So ease in. 16 is a great place to start. But you also have to, on the flip side, not expect that you're going to see miraculous, you know, 30 pounds of weight loss in your first month. You got to adjust to the fasting, let your body learn how to do it gradually tweak it, then look for the slow and steady weight loss. I think that's just so important. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. And I think too, you have to understand your own limitations when you're embarking on a new adventure like that too. So I kind of know a little bit about myself having, like you, gone through the various different diets for eons and things that worked and things that didn't work. So the change with the coffee was a big one. That was a big one. And because I'm the kind of person where I really enjoy a splash of coffee with my creamer. (laughs) You know, funny story. If I'm going to drink anything but black coffee, it's still, I could, I could drink a really high quality hot milk, hot coffee milkshake now. I mean, it has to be really high quality, but it needs to be super creamy and super sweet or completely black. I can't, the people who put like one little tiny bit of cream, I'm like, well, I don't even get that. (laughs) So I understand. International Delight came out two years ago with a white chocolate raspberry creamer for Christmas, and it was my downfall. I swear I could drink that by itself. It's it's the most amazing, wonderful creamer. And this year they didn't have it, which is probably good for me. But I could not could not find it. It has to taste like coffee ice cream. So it either needs to be completely coffee ice cream, but hot or (laughs) completely black now. But you're right. It is a big change when we're used to having it sweet and creamy. It is. And I have to have coffee every day. That was step one in being successful in all of this was that I had to get the coffee situation under control. So 
that's why I started with the 16 and I started with, you know, weaning myself into being able to drink the black coffee. And I managed to do that. And then tragedy struck. (laughs) That was in August. I started having weight loss. You know, I was getting into the groove. I was really excited. I I posted my first side-by-side picture and not the best on either accounts, but it was progress and I was happy and excited about it. And I believe that was in September. So only about a month had passed, but I was already seeing real results. And then in, it was either September or October, I was making French toast one morning and that was going to be my first meal of a two meal day. And I leaned over just slightly to check the frying pan and I herniated a disc in my back. Oh no. And I'm talking the full and complete blowout of the disc. So what does that mean? Herniated a disc? Is it get out of position? Is that what it is? A herniation is where a part of the disc material actually breaks free and then impinges on the spinal cord and the nerves. So it's it's different from a bulging disc where every, the material itself is still contained, but is pressing. In my case, the, the disc actually tore and the material itself kind of spread out and then just started crushing things. So it was not good. We didn't realize the extent of how bad it really was until quite a ways later, but it was an immediate trip to urgent care, which started me on what's considered my trifecta of a steroid, an anti-inflammatory, and a muscle relaxer. And if you know anything about steroids, it's one of those medicines that you really don't take on an empty stomach. So that pretty much ended my little fasting routine at that point in time. I was hoping it would be a quick fix. So what did you do? What, what did what did you do for a while after that? I medicated. <laughs> yeah, you had to. You had, it was, I bet there was a lot of pain, difficult moving around. There was an enormous amount of pain. There was immediate nerve issues in my leg. I started having issues with numbness. I started a round of physical therapy. And it was my physical therapist that actually kicked off this medical journey that I was about to go on. So my my physical therapist started working on me and realized that I I had some symptoms and some issues that she had noticed with a a different group of people. And it's called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is, it's it's a group of connective tissue disorders that is sometimes inherited and is sometimes spontaneously generated within an individual. But typically what you have is joint hypermobility. So you have joints that stretch out further than than normal or they do what's what's called sublexing, which is a partial dislocation. So they kind of pop out of the joint, but go right back in. And then you have full dislocations. Yeah. Neither one feels good. Let me tell you. No, that sounds really, really, I'm like, you know how you get like the little heebie-jeebies? <laughs> I've got the little heebie-jeebies just thinking about your joints doing that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's something that I've, I've always had, but we, we didn't understand what that was. And then there's skin hyperextensibility, which is where you've got stretchy skin. So I can pull my skin out like Gumby. And so you always have had this, but you didn't know. Yes. Right. Had no idea. So is it like you're like, stretch, stretch me and Armstrong. That's like, you know, you, you remember stretch me and Armstrong. I'm not making a joke about your condition, but I'm just imagining it's like the real world stretch me and Armstrong disease. If anybody doesn't know who that was, it was a, a doll. Was he also a cartoon character? 
I think he was a cartoon character that came from the doll or maybe vice versa. But yeah, you could pull his arms and he would just like stretch, 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 stretch. Yeah. Oh my, I can't even imagine, Joan. So that's skin. But then along with that is that the skin tears easily. So, you know, paper cuts are a lot more drastic for me. And then I bruise like a peach. I mean, if you look at me, I I get a bruise from it. Don't look too hard at me because... It'll bruise you. So you had this all your life and had no idea, or did it just suddenly start? Nope. So when I was a child, I remember, you know, you play Foursquare. Oh, I'm, da- I'm dating myself, right? Oh, I've, I loved Foursquare. Are we the same age? Do you mind sharing your age? We are not the same age. I will be I will be 40 this year. The big four out. Okay. So I'm, I got 10 years on you, but you remember Stretch Armstrong in Foursquare, so... <laughs> But yeah, so you would be playing. So with Foursquare, you know, you bounce the ball and sometimes you jump up and it, you know, you got your hands up above your head and and sometimes it would just, the bounce was too high, but the ball would like hit your fingers and then it would go flying off. But when it would hit my fingers, it would actually sublex my shoulder. So my shoulder would do a, a partial dislocation and my arm would be stuck up in the air, really in a very painful situation. Now, six and seven years old, you don't know how to explain that to an adult except to say my arm is stuck. And so, of course, the response from an adult is put your arm down. Like I'm just imagining if a student in my class was like my arm is stuck, I'd be like, your arm is not stuck. (laughs) You'd be like, stop it. Stop it, Joan. Your arm is fine. Right. But that is exactly what was happening. And so then the, the muscles would spasm because it wasn't fully dislocated. The muscles would spasm. It would it would force the joint back into the socket. My arm would drop and then it would be very painful for like two to three days and then it would be fine. But the adults wouldn't understand. And they, yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine how scary that would be for a child to be like, no, really this, my arm is stuck and it hurts now. And the adults are like, "Uh, uh-uh, come on now. Yeah. You're you're making it up. (laughs) So hold on to that thought because that's coming later on too. So, so that was probably one of the first ways that EDS started making itself known to me as a young child. I just had chronic pain issues. My knees always hurt, my feet hurt, my joints hurt. I just constantly always had pain, but nobody else did. I have a twin sister, I have an older brother and a younger brother, and nobody else ever exhibited any of these kinds of issues. So to an extent, it just kind of always looked like I was, I was looking for attention, but Really, I was just in a lot of pain and couldn't, I couldn't get that across to anyone. So I started taking ibuprofen pretty consistently, I think, when I was 13. And then that, that just became my life. But I'm still, I was still very active. I ran track and field in middle school and high school. I loved to play volleyball, even though my arms would pop out. And I, I tried to be as active as possible. And for a while, you know, things were okay. I, I always constantly suffered injuries. It sounds like you just, you were doing the opposite of what people probably thought. You were toughening it out. You were being strong and just suffering through because that was all you knew to do. Right. Because when you don't have an answer, you have to assume it's just something with you. And so I'm going to be stronger than whatever this is. So, so that was my life all through high school. And then, of course, I decided that I was going to join the Marine Corps because if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I went into the Marine Corps and then, you know, EDS reared its ugly head again. I ended up breaking my hip and breaking my foot. And if you know anything about Marines, you know, they 
anywhere that they go, they're running. So when you can't, when you can't even walk, it's an issue. Now, when I went into the Marine Corps, I was 125 pounds. And when I came out was the very first time that I started dealing with weight issues. I was 185. Well, wow. and how tall are you? At the time I was 5'8". <laughs> I'm now 5'6". Because oh, 125 at 5'8 is tiny. You were tiny. Yes. I was very, very skinny. Yes. I was very skinny. And I mean, part of that was because I wasn't eating a lot. You know, I was going through a lot of other things. I had some anxiety issues. I had these chronic pain issues, which leads into anxiety issues. And there was some trauma in my past. And when you're just trying to keep your head above water, you're doing whatever you can to just get to where you need to be. So I remember my eating habits weren't great. I was eating. I just probably wasn't eating what I should have been for how active I was. So I remember being pretty skinny when I went in. How long were you in the Marine Corps? I was only in for nine months. Okay. And was was your condition, the, let's see, I can't remember the name of it, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, do you think that, that contributed to the breaking the hip, breaking the foot? Absolutely. Because I, I, I broke the hip first and then I didn't tell anyone. I was in combat training and I came down, I jumped off a wall and I felt the pain immediately. And I didn't tell anyone because that's, you just, you tough it out. That's what you do. I did everything to hide my limp. I did not want anybody to know that I was injured in any form or fashion. And because I was refusing to limp, I wasn't, I wasn't allowing my body to do anything to try and heal. So we ended up going out on a six mile hump with all of our gear and it was about 80 pounds of gear and you can't hide the limp at that point. So I started limping and all the pressure of limping, I broke my right hip and I was limping on the left leg and I snapped the metatarsal, third metatarsal in my foot just from walking. So I had, I had injuries on both sides. I ended up being on bed rest and they were pumping me full of highly fat saturated meals three times a day, even though I wasn't moving at all. So that that really kicked off my weight issues in the very beginning initial part. After a while, I kept being misdiagnosed because that's unfortunately what happens. And after 13 weeks, I finally had a bone scan and they found the, the break in my hip and they said, oh, you haven't healed. So we're going to go ahead and send you home. Okay. So that was the end of the Marine Corps. That was, that was the end of the Marine Corps. But I, I always wanted to be in law enforcement. I always wanted to do something helping people because that was just my calling. So I came home, I, I healed, I walked with a cane for a little bit, and then I, I got myself better. And then I went into corrections. So I became a correctional officer with the local sheriff's department and had a great time. I loved it. I never had a problem with an inmate. That career was cut short, unfortunately, by a coworker who performed a demonstrative move on me that requires body momentum. It was a front arm bar and requires body momentum to be performed properly. And my feet were planted. I didn't move. And so when he performed the move on me, he basically tore my arm out. Oh, because you didn't know that you had this, this connective issue in your shoulder. You didn't know. So I knew that I had some issue with my right arm. And, and when we had been discussing this, I said, you know, I'm worried that something's going to happen to my right arm. I never knew about my left arm because I'm, I'm right hand dominant. So any issues that had always happened had been because I was going after a ball with my right hand. So they said, well, just use your use. We'll use your left arm for this for the purposes of this demonstration. <laughs> 
Yeah. So he pulled forward and that separated. And then when he rotated, it just rotated my arm right out. Yes. I passed out on the way down, bit through my mouth guard and woke up sort of upside down with with my hand not where it should have been in a position across his lap. (laughs) And he was stuck that way because my shoulder was dislocated and they couldn't move me at all. I bet he was like horrified and felt like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I'm not sure. Maybe. Okay. Well, I would like to think that he would be. <laughs> I would like to think that too. Yes. I would like to think that too. So they, they called the ambulance and and of course there was lots of, of screaming that happened because that's that was my very first full dislocation. We got to the hospital, they reduced the shoulder and that is what kicked off a lot of my shoulder surgeries. So I've had four surgeries on this shoulder and I've got a total of nine screws in there and I have dislocated it probably six or seven times since that very first one. Do the screws kind of help keep it into position and not getting out of out of the joint? Yeah, they're supposed to. In a normal person, they would, but we didn't know at the time I'm not normal. Right, right. That hypermobility is was not being... <laughs> considered. So when, when, what year was all this that this happened? This, this. So all, all of that was in 2000. Okay. So we're talking a long time ago. Yes. So we're talking a long time ago that all of this started really kicking off. And so that ended my law enforcement career. It was the second surgery that I had. I realized that I couldn't, it was too much of a risk and I, I couldn't function in that environment. So I moved on and I went into retail Okay. And I know that was probably heartbreaking because you, you wanted to be a Marine. You wanted to be in law enforcement. This is how you wanted to give back. And, and I know it's so sad that you weren't able to do that. Absolutely. Well, and so you find other ways of doing it. When I went into retail, I, I went into management and part of management was loss prevention. And so I always still found a way to do what I wanted to do. And it was entertaining, but through all of this, I was constantly plagued with injuries and pain and my back started going out. I started having disc issues. My joints are terrible. My hands started flaring up. And at one point I I went and saw a rheumatologist who diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis. And was that a misdiagnosis or is it, it true? The thing with EDS is that sometimes it is masked as other symptoms and other things. So I had an inflammatory response in my body happening when they did the blood work for the RA. And because of that inflammatory response, my blood work came back showing that I had a positive result for the for the R factor, which is a good indicator of RA. And in addition to that, my, my clinical appointment, my joints were swollen and red and painful. So by all accounts, it looked like I had RA. And at the time I was so excited because, ah, finally I have an answer. I have something that's amazing, right? So they started putting me on medication. I'm not just crazy. I've got something, you know, right. So they put me on medication and then that started. Anti-inflammatory things. Way bigger things. Yeah. Uh, More like Cymbalta. For me personally, I did not do well on Cymbalta. It does work very well for some people. It just unfortunately gave me what's called brain shivers. And it sounds exactly like what it 
sounds like. It's It feels like a, a mini earthquake that happens behind your eyes, like your brain is actually shivering. See, my husband is very sensitive to medications and has a hard time. Things will make his ears ring or will make it. So I, I understand it's hard to find a medication if you're really sensitive to them. The side effects are just miserable, worse than the thing that you're trying to fix. Yep. And so through all of this, I mean, that that was one medication. But when you when you deal with chronic constant pain and we're talking, you know, in the early 2000s, all the way through. So over the, the course of the last 15, 20 years, you know, 20 years ago, a doctor's course of action was to throw a pill at it. And I remember one doctor actually telling me we have a pill for that. Those were those were his exact words. <laughs> We have a pill for that. Well, yeah, that's, you know, here's your pill. That's easier. And I'm not, I'm not knocking doctors at all, not at all. But, you know, it, you want to just easily be able to solve the problem. Yes. And so, you know, through all of this, we've got, you have, you have this young person who by all accounts is, is active and wants to be active, but has these strange pain symptoms and no no medical reason behind why this person should be having that. So either you have a drug seeker or you have a hypochondriac, right? Because there's there's nothing. There's nothing either way, except that there is. There's this subset of the population that has this issue called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. How prevalent is it? Like, I, I'm wondering... Could someone be listening right now and say, oh my gosh, that sounds like me and just had no idea? How prevalent, what are the estimates? Do you know? Absolutely. So right now the estimates are one in 2,500 to one in 5,000 people have some form of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, but they actually believe that that number is far more, that it's lower, that it's a much more common syndrome than what they realize because there are 13 subcategories of, of EDS. The, one of the most common ones and the, the most difficult to diagnose is the hypermobility. Because in the other 12... We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on 
on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study subsets, there is a genetic marker. So you could go have genetic testing done and they can see the abnormality in the gene and say, oh, it's this gene. And so now you've got cardiovascular EDS. And of course, that's actually one of the more dangerous ones. And I think it's just vascular EDS, you know, aneurysms and blood clotting and things like that, that oftentimes are missed. And there's a very small margin of error for a younger person dying of that. It's harder to catch. But with EDS, with uh, hypermobility EDS, it is often misdiagnosed as RA, as fibromyalgia, as hypermobility syndrome. But there's other factors that, that kind of go into place. And when we talk about like the skin, the stretchiness of the skin, the sensitivity or the fragility of the skin, all of those are examples of, of that EDS. So you can have people that are hypermobile that don't have EDS. And you can have people that have EDS that maybe aren't hypermobile because their joints have actually tightened up over time. With the number of people that listen to this podcast, there are people listening right now who probably, like really. There are people in the group that actually have it. So what's interesting is that through my story and through some of the stuff that I've talked about, I've, I've had a, a couple of people that have reached out to me and said, I'm a zebra, I have this. And to me, that is the most amazing thing because I didn't find out I had it until I didn't find out that this is what the issue was until December of 2018. And I was diagnosed through a geneticist at the Mayo Clinic. And all of a sudden now for my entire life, now I have an answer. I'm just thrilled to hear that though, because I can only imagine how alone that you felt and and how, how scary it all was and thinking, am I just, you know, a hypochondriac? Am I just, you know, what's wrong with me? Well, and, and you become the butt of the joke. You become, you know, oh, Joan's hurt again. Joan can't go out and do things. Joan needs a bubble, you know, put Joan in her bubble, get her some bubble wrap. You know, it, you learn to deal with that kind of stuff, but it's frustrating for your friends and family too, because they don't know how to help you because they don't know what the issue is. And you're really like a thousand times tougher than any of them. And they don't even realize it. <laughs> you know. <'cause> you're <laughs> What's funny is that I, I often say if somebody could body jump and just jump into my body, they would probably go insane within the first five minutes because I've had a lifetime of learning how to deal with a certain level of pain. And so there's, there's no cure for EDS. You can manage the symptoms, but it's, it's never going to be any better than exactly what it is. Okay, so knowing that history, that that's all happening in the background and being a very active person like I was when I started having these weight issues initially, I would go to the gym and I would work out and I would constantly get hurt. And so I'd lose weight and then I'd gain the weight right back because part of the coping mechanism of dealing with being constantly chronically in pain is that you turn to food at some point, food and alcohol. Oh, I can imagine. Sweets. Oh, yeah. I can absolutely imagine. I would probably up the wine. That's what I would do. I mean, that's not saying that you should do that, but I could just imagine. You know, in my in my early 20s, I self-medicated. Absolutely. And I self-medicated to the best of my abilities. And anything that I do, I do hardcore. 
I'm going to do it all the way. I'm like that too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not just going to eat three pieces of candy. I'm going to eat the entire bag because I can. So that that's kind of how I, I dealt with things. And then I'd go through, you know, January would roll around and now I'm ready to work out and get better and get stronger. And I, I can do this and I want to do this. And then each and every time I would get to a certain level of healthiness and parts of me would break because I didn't know. I didn't know I had limitations. I just knew that the harder I tried, the worse it got. So Fast forward, found the physical therapist who got me into the Mayo Clinic, to the geneticist who diagnosed me with EDS, who then I was able to get into the neuro department, and they immediately saw how devastating the herniation in my spine was. And I mean, I saw them and they were putting me into surgery that day. And I was like, whoa, 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 guys, like, I got to clear some things up with work. And so it we pushed it off for four days. And unfortunately, the herniation was was so bad that I have some permanent nerve damage in my left leg. But as I was recovering, so I, I came out of that surgery and and I knew that as soon as I came off all that pain medicine, I was I was getting back to fasting because I knew this was something that was gonna work. I saw it with Mandy. Mandy had maintained for the entire year. She was still looking really good. So I knew that this was something that that could work. And I knew that I had started it and it started working for me. So all I had to do was just get to a point where I didn't need to be on this medication that I had to take with food. So as soon as I could stop that, I could get back to my routines. So January 28th, that's what I did. I went and I saw my, I had my five week post-op follow-up and, you know, I was right at that 200 mark. So you were, this was January of 2019, you got the all clear and you were right at 200 pounds. Is that what you're saying? Yep. That is right where I was. And I didn't talk to my surgeon. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't even tell my mom. My mom lives with me. I didn't tell anyone what I was doing except maybe Mandy because she's the one that started me on this path. So nobody knew. I just stopped having breakfast and started having my black coffee. And then slowly but surely, I started seeing results and seeing the results made me want to have more results. And I'm kind of like Pavlov's dog that way. I I see something that gives me a good feeling and then I want to do it more. I am a daily weigher. And I know this is a a topic of conversation that comes up in the, in the podcast and a lot in the group about the pros and cons of weighing. I'm not anti-daily weighing. I don't, even though I don't do it, I really think it was important while I was losing weight. It kept me on the right track. But now that I'm in maintenance, I choose to not weigh anymore. But I'm definitely not anti. So you're you're a daily weigher. Do you follow your overall trend? What? How do you keep up with that? So I'm a daily weigher who pays attention to the numbers, but the only thing I track is a loss. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I. You know that's a great strategy. You write it down when it's lower. Yes, I'm, a, I'm aware of it. So I track it in my fitness pal. So all I see are, is that line going lower, but, but I'm aware of what those numbers are every single day. And it's very much like a, a research project for me. So cause and effect and, and looking to see, did I gain? Did I lose? What did I have the day before? How does all of that play into the big picture of what's happening inside my body? But you don't freak out or panic or, or let fluctuations upset you. See, that's the key right there. The people who can understand what's happening and not let the fluctuations upset them. It took the weekly averaging for me to be able to do that. 
some people just can't because the fluctuations stress them out too much. It's just all about knowing yourself more than anything. So you're right. It's data to you. Absolutely. And and I think that's the big difference is that it, it 100% is the cause and effect. It is the action and reaction. And so I'm not using that number to beat myself up and say, you did something wrong. I'm using that number to see how that bag of candy that I just consumed has that negative consequence or how that wonderful, you know, spinach pesto chicken meal that I just had has that positive effect that I'm looking for. So it's never a, you did something wrong when I'm looking at the scale. It's always cause and effect. Or, oh my gosh, I've ruined everything. There's no, you know, it's a day. It's just a day. It's just a sample in time. It's absolutely. And it's not even a day. It's a meal. It's a meal. (laughs) So, but I, so I started seeing those results and I was at the point where I was just walking and, and getting my, my body functions back up together. But what I learned with EDS is that my love for the gym is no more. I just cannot go to the gym and work out. I need a full body program that is more isometric and less outside weight. So the easiest way to to describe to people with, you know, who are suffering from EDS to describe to normal people what that's like is that my muscles are too tight and my ligaments are too loose. And so my, my body itself is constantly at war with itself. So in addition to having constant pain, it is exhausting to be me. <laughs> Does the muscle tightness stem from the compensating for the loose ligaments? Is that what happens? You develop that, yeah, your your muscles are always fighting against that looseness. And so they develop this. That makes sense. And so, I mean, it's crazy. My hamstrings are so terribly tight, but I can bend over and touch the floor. And that's, that's one of the, the things that you can do with EDS is that part of that's that, that hypermobility. So I can't stretch, I can't straighten my legs. Like you might be a, a beautiful ballerina, like, you know, someone who's a ballerina and can get their leg up really high. You know, I'm thinking back to my, cause they've got that, that joint that'll do it. Yep. And it, that's that, that hip flexion. So, you know, it's just, it, it everything kind of led me to this one moment that basically was January 28th and. From that, from that point forward, I knew what I needed to do. I knew about the black coffee. I knew about controlling my, my food symptoms. And I think that's a big part of it too, is that when you embark on a journey like this, you have to understand what your triggers are. You have to understand what your hangups are and why you do the things that you do. It's not so much enough to recognize that you're doing them, but the why behind it, because that why fixing that why is what prevents you from continuing to exhibit that behavior. Yeah, that's good. That's really good stuff right there. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a huge fan. One of my biggest coping mechanisms was laying in bed. And I know I've posted about this laying in bed, eating spoonfuls of peanut butter, and any kind of chips and crackers. So I had that salty and the sweet thing going on. Yeah, me too. I love that. Yeah. Chips and crackers and cheese and crackers. And yeah. Yep. And I would just lay in bed, watch some something on Netflix, and I would self-medicate that way until I would fall asleep. And just the most terrible thing you can do. And so I had to get to the point where when I had that feeling that I needed to do that, I had to stop myself and say, 
why? Why are you feeling like this right now? And most of it was because I was bored and I just wanted to do something to kill time until I was tired enough. So I had to address that issue. And some of it, there were days when the psychological need to eat those chips or to eat that peanut butter was so overwhelming that I had no choice but to, to do that at least a little bit. What I learned in that is that that doesn't mean it's a failure. It doesn't mean that you destroyed anything or ruined anything. What it means is that you have something happening in the background that you have to address before you can move forward. And it starts with recognizing it. And so I would understand that this was happening. This And it it truly was a compulsion. So I would understand that the, the compulsion was there. I would shine a light on it. Sometimes I would have to do it. But each time it got easier for me to postpone it, to delay it, to say, I'm not going to have that spoonful of peanut butter. I'll have it tomorrow. But then by tomorrow, I'd forget. So it was fine. See, that's a powerful mantra. Delay, just delay, delay. Don't deny I can do it tomorrow and more than just food. But yeah. So it's been about we're recording this in January of 2020, even though it's coming out in March. So how has the journey progressed over the almost year of intermittent fasting? Like what, what's happened with your weight? Are you feeling better? Tell us about that. So my journey has been absolutely amazing. I am currently sitting around 135 pounds. That's a lot of weight loss. Yeah. It was 65 pounds that I have lost. And for the life of me, I never, even in, in all of my initial goals, I never saw 135. Right. It, what, you just didn't even dream of that. That's like me. I never dreamed of being the size I am right now. My goal was to be a size six, like, you know, whatever. And here I'm sitting here in size zero. I mean, yes, there's vanity sizing. Okay, I get it. But <laughs> I surpassed my goal. What, what quote, diet plan, even though we know intermittent fasting is not a diet plan, it's a lifestyle, but what lifestyle plan gets you beyond your goal? Right. What allows you to be to truly be the best version of yourself all the time, except intermittent fasting. And it's not, it's not just with food. You're absolutely correct on that. All of the things that tie into intermittent fasting are ideas and concepts that you can actually roll out to other portions of your life. And it, it truly is. I mean, it's not just a food lifestyle. It's an overall lifestyle. And you can't help but have that transfer over. It just naturally does it. Absolutely. It does. If you allow it to, it absolutely does. And that's where you start seeing people posting about the fact that they have, you know, oh, I can eat anything that I want in my window. But maybe if I have these healthier foods, it'll be better for me. And then it starts this whole transition where it's not just about being able to, to eat what you want when you want to eat it, but it's about eating what's the best for you, for you. Let me put the emphasis on the right words there what's best for you. That's because that's not the same for everybody. And it doesn't mean you never eat another spoonful of peanut butter because it soothes you. It doesn't mean that I never have a Dorito again. It means that you want to feel great. You choose what's right for you, but you also sometimes have that soothing, whatever it is. Right. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. So I had an epiphany. I was having a conversation with a member of the group and I had this sudden realization, epiphany, that there is a difference between I'm eating this because it makes me feel good and I'm eating this because I feel bad. And those two mindsets are the difference between successful intermittent fasting and weight gain. I think that, okay, say that again, because I, that's really, that's powerful. It is absolutely powerful. So, so the first portion is I'm eating this because it makes me feel good. And then on the, on the flip side of that is I'm eating this because I feel bad. Okay, that is powerful. I'm I'm gonna remember that. I wrote it down. I'm gonna send it to you. It was such, a, and I remember I remember reaching out and and talking to her and saying, I want to post about this in the group, but I think I want to hold on to this for the podcast. <laughs> I'm glad you did, but you know that that just went boom. It's crystal clear to me because. You know, my my husband. I don't like to tell our whole life story here. He does. He does, is a little more private than I am. Everybody knows I tell it all. But <laughs> he and I have. Well, we've had a little bit rough time. We had a lot of transitions recently. In the past year, we had one son graduate from college and move across the country and get married, eloped, start a new job. So he's gone. We don't see him. We have the other son who came home from college, moved out. We sold our home we'd been in since '05. We bought a new home that we're still getting used to. You know, our cat got hit by a car. I mean, his job is not going well. So we've had a rough time. (laughs) It's been all the major life changes. We've had them in six months. And so sometimes during that time, I've been stressed and I have had two glasses or three glasses of wine because I feel bad. Not because it makes me feel good, but because I feel bad. That is just a huge way of, you know, and then I'm like, okay, I should not have this because I feel bad. But understanding that that's what's happening behind the scenes allows you to either accept the consequences of what you're doing, understanding and moving forward, or it allows you to make a better choice for yourself when you understand the reasons behind the choices that you make. And that's, it's such a critical thing. And, and I mean, we're talking, this was, what, three weeks ago? When did I schedule this podcast? Because that was, it was, yeah, it was like three weeks ago. And then I was just, I was cooking dinner and I was getting ready to sit down with my mom. And, and all of a sudden this idea popped into my head and I said, oh my gosh, I have to tell somebody about this. And I wrote it in my notes because it was, it's so powerful, but it's so true and it's so simple. And that's, that's the thing. And I think that's the key with, again, the way that you put the information out in the book 
and the concepts that we discuss in the group is that you have to keep it simple because anything that's complex is a recipe for failure. Simple is sustainable. And that's, that's the honest truth. Anything that's simple is sustainable. And also recognizing that it's not rigid and here's the way everyone has to do it. Now, we do say, you know, fast, clean. That's the one thing. If you're going to fast, fast, clean. But as far as the rest of it goes, it is completely flexible and up to you. And you get to figure out how to make it your own. Keep it simple, tweak it and change it up. But, but it isn't hard. You're fasting or you're not at any given moment. Yep. So I, I like to post pictures of my food on my own personal Facebook page because I have concerns that people think that I'm starving myself. And so this is this is my honest way of being able to see to say that anybody who thinks that I'm starving myself, please look at my food and rethink your position <laughs> because there's no starving happening here. So I, I've lost 65 pounds and I haven't posted a whole ton of stories on my personal Facebook page, but I did you know, right around the the close of the year, I posted, you know, a picture of me from New Year's Day 2010 and New Year's Eve 2019. And I then put a link to Delay Don't Deny to your your Amazon. And I told everybody, and it, it wasn't a sales pitch or anything like that, but it was just a simple little blurb to say, you guys all know who I am and what I'm about. And, you know, this is where I was in 2010. And this is where I've been in, in the past year. And it's been an amazing journey. And the only thing that I have paid for was a book. I read a book. I joined a group. I found what worked for me. And I did it. And I think right away, three or four of my friends actually went and immediately bought the book and then reached out to me and said, you know, this is amazing. Thank you for posting this. I'm going to go ahead and, and give this a try. And of course, my next advice to them was make sure you join the Facebook group because it is the support of these people that will get you through those darkest moments. And we're working on that right now. The Facebook group, you're in You're in all of them. Are you in all the groups? All of them. <laughs> I am. The regular Delayed on Deny group has grown so exponentially that we're having growing pains and struggling with managing it because it's, it's a good problem to have. We've got so, so much activity. We can't keep up with it. But we've grown, as of right this minute, we've grown 15,000 people in like 12 days. It's just all of a sudden skyrocketing. And so we're trying to balance giving good support. And it's just really hard because everybody's just starting, you know, these new people. And so we're, we're struggling through some growing pains with that. But we're going to figure it out because the moderators, we all are committed to providing this supportive environment. Oh, yeah. You guys are amazing. Everything that you guys do and you put out and, and the the support and kind of the you know, you can tell when you have to redirect some conversations. And it's so important and critical because everybody needs to be heard. But we all need to understand that there's guidelines even within that, you know. And that's that's the part we're struggling with is trying to make everyone feel heard without we because we can't, you know, when we're having, you know, two million posts, comments and reactions in 30 days, it's just really hard to keep your handle on that. So we're working as hard as we can on that. <laughs> so everybody in the groups, we're trying, we're trying. <laughs> Well, and I, I'm sure that you've seen it. There, there's been plenty of times that I've actually closed comments on my own posts. I love that. Please do that, members. Close comments on your own post when you've had enough. Just do that. It's, it's a great tool. But yeah, I wish we could keep talking for hours, but we are really coming, <laughs> coming to the end of it. Somebody said that in a review one time. They're like, Jen always sounds surprised when it's over, but I am. 
Well, because it truly is just a conversation between, you know, two friends that that have similar things in common, you know. Exactly. Who have found freedom through intermittent fasting. So how how's your is it help helped your symptoms in any way? Do you think intermittent fasting? I know we're really almost out of time, but has it helped your condition at all? I'll, I'll wrap it up real quick. It helps in that I don't have as bad of flare-ups of inflammation because I'm making healthier food choices. In general, I'm still in pain every day. I just had my second set of cortisone shots for my neck, which have been unsuccessful. So I'm I'm looking at additional things coming up in, in 2020 to help fix that. But for me, my reality is that there's always going to be a future surgery because my body is going to continue to break and break down. And that's that's just what it is. But fasting has given me, or I shouldn't even say fasting, but very specifically the idea of delay, don't deny, has given me opportunities to kind of handle some of these pain issues as well, which seems funny, but there's lots of things that you can delay until later. And that includes the coping mechanisms that you use, those negative coping mechanisms that you use for pain. You can always find a different way to do something, whether it's food or Medicaid or the activities that that put you in that situation. So it's a powerful lifestyle. And if you embrace this, then then you can do it. And that's going to lead me to my one piece of advice that I would like to give to anybody who's new who's starting off. All right. It was I was just about to ask. <laughs> and that is you have got to be honest with yourself. You have got to shine a light on your issues and your triggers and the things that brought you to this position where you decided that intermittent fasting was what you were going to do. And then the second, the second piece of advice, and Jen, I, I sent you something that you'll, you'll receive, and it's got this advice on it, is that there is always going to be a million excuses, but what you really need is one reason. That reason needs to be strong enough to hold up to any excuse that's going to come your way. You have to find that reason. But that reason, that's what's going to get you through. It can't just be because I want to feel better. You have to get to the why. So be honest with yourself. Hold yourself accountable. Call yourself on your own BS because we all have it. Yeah, we do. Even I have it. You know, sometimes people think I have it all together. Look, I don't have it all together. <laughs> and being able to say, say, you know what? I drank, I was drinking too much wine in December. It was the festive holidays. I was responding to the stress. So I'm cutting back right now. And that's that's my my issue, my trigger, being honest with myself there. Yeah. You may have to delay more than one hour. You may have to delay more than a day. You may have to delay things, certain things for weeks or months. Sugar and alcohol were things that I had to do. But you know what? Just because you delay it for a longer period of time doesn't mean that it's forever. So experiment, change it up, Find what works for you. Find what doesn't work for you because that is so important. And then be honest and have fun because this works if you let it work. So just let it work. Well, Joan, I have so loved talking to you today. And I bet you, you are going to reach some people who are going to get some answers that they didn't even know they were looking for. I hope so. Guys, reach out to me. I have a whole lot of information on a lot of different things. So if you have questions, I always answer my my messages. Just send me a ping. You're not alone. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been a great episode and I will see you around the groups. Thanks, Jen. 
Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.